It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, everybody, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm so excited that you were tuning in. You know, we've enjoyed a, a great series of broadcast years of late, especially with our guest, Ryan Dobson. And just before he came on the program, I had just shared some encouraging words from the book of Ecclesiastes. And I wanted to finish those thoughts with you here today because I think we need to encourage uh, some some folks who are listening right now. As, as you're just going through life and maybe you find yourself latter in your years, uh, maybe you're over 70 right now, over 80, and you're just trying to find your stride and how you can serve the Lord with gusto, with vigor and and energy for the Lord, no matter what age you are. I want you to be encouraged here today. And I believe the words you'll hear today from Ecclesiastes are going to do just that. Now, I need you to stay with me because right out of the gate, Solomon is going to say some words that really paint the picture of old age. But it's all setting it up for what that, that's an understanding of old age under the S-U-N. And then it paints the picture then of what does old age look like under the S-O-N. As we age in our service to Almighty God and Jesus Christ our Lord, how it changes everything. And how as we age, there's actually more vitality. As we serve with purpose, we can do so to our final breath and, and worship Almighty God with, with a new sense of purpose, with a new excitement and energy as we do so, that age cannot hold us back. It's something that's exciting. So let, let's go through this study together. I want you to be encouraged here today. But again, it starts off a little tough here. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 8, we read, Yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. All that is coming is vanity. Now, he says, remember what? The days of darkness. Why? Well, because in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Why should we live with gusto and enjoy life? Well, Solomon urges us to remember the days of weakness and sicknesses are coming our way. It's not a matter of if, but when. They will be many. And that can feel depressing but it's often a reality for us. So let's not pretend that it doesn't happen because it does. In fact, the average per person will get sick. Listen to this. 200 times in their lifetime. Some of us feels like, well, I did that just this year. Uh, but that, that's the average. It will get sick 200 times. Ohio, in fact, has the most sick people. I mean, you know, illnesses, right? Uh, and then New Orleans is the city that's often with the highest percentage of people that are battling some form of, of disease, chronic illness, and so forth. In fact, chronic diseases such as heart disease, cancer, chronic lung diseases, strokes, or even type 2 diabetes, these account for the most deaths in the U.S. outside of abortion. And these diseases are responsible for 7 in 10 deaths among Americans each year. Eight years ago, when they did a study on this, 171 million people here in the United States, more than half the population, had at least one of these chronic diseases. And that number increases annually, so life is too short to waste it. And Solomon indicates that our future is filled with brevity, which is this word habel. And it's like a breath, a vapor. 
And thus he exhorts us to enjoy life today. And as we know, statistics reveal this, that the golden years are actually pretty golden after all. Because recent research suggests that older Americans aren't the only happiest Americans, but they are very social. And although many older individuals face these health problems we just talked about here, they're generally more content, more content than younger Americans. In fact, they've been able to assess that being happy increased by 5% for every 10 years of age. An 84-year-old retired nurse went on record saying, contentment, as far as I'm concerned, comes with old age because you accept the things the way they are and you know that nothing is perfect. So although aging can look negatively, if you will, in our society, it actually brings many benefits and including a greater likelihood of contentment. So Christians can look at aging as bringing us one step closer to heaven and eternity with God, and therefore we're to be encouraged by by our older age, not discouraged by it. In fact, Job chapter 12, verse 12 says, Wisdom is with the aged men, and with length of days comes understanding. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, we read, Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now, now with that, it's important to understand that when it comes to years of life, it's still a matter of quality over quantity. It's better to add life to your years than to add years to your life. We're to live life fully every day. In service to Almighty God. And I think about that movie Braveheart, where William Wallace, portrayed by Mel Gibson, says, Every man dies, but not every man really lives. And this is a rather biblical assessment of life. We all die, yet many of us miss out on this abundant life that we have through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'm not talking about finding the treasures here on earth. I'm talking about finding true satisfaction and contentment as we serve the Lord, that we are to live even while we're dying. As you're here in chapter 12, verses 2 to 7, now Solomon is about to describe this advance of old age in a figurative fashion. And most of these expressions are difficult to interpret, so I'm going to attempt to do it with humility. But we gotta we got to keep in mind here that Solomon isn't saying that all this happens to everybody, but it's an allegory that fittingly describes what we can expect in old age that's under the S-U-N. And it should motivate us then to serve God faithfully every day. And whether young means our teens and 20s or whatever years we have left. But before I launch into this, I got to remind you that I'm just the mailman here. I'm not the writer of the mail. So so please don't be offended by what I'm about to read. But Solomon here, he's an older man and he's living out his waning years that he has. And he's likely a, a little burdened by some of the choices that have led to the demise of the unified nation of Israel. You go to 1 Kings chapter 11 on that. So, so what we're about to read may come across like he's a little crotchety, maybe a little crotchety mood here, being too blunt about things. And, and you know, one could say that that's a privilege that comes with old age. Uh, but so he's going to tell us how it is under the sun and, and that we would heed the direction. So he tells us to remember God, your creator. Why? In verse 2 of chapter 12, he says, while the sun and the light and the moon moon and the stars are not darkened and the clouds do not return after the rain. He's saying here that the troubles of old age are compared to like a gathering storm. So when we're young, there's this illusion, if you will, that, that there's still time, time for the sky to clear, for the troubles to fade away. But when we're older, 
Uh, you know, we tend to suffer from one trouble after another with little time to recover. And then we're feeling the burdens over society that's wrought with decay and disobedience as it moves away from its foundations. The burdens over our children and extended family, health, finances, the aches and pains, they go on and on. So the light of life grows dim, and if the clouds do not return after a storm, then another trial called famine is looming. So this verse refers to the struggles that lie ahead for everyone. No one escapes the many forms of calamity, trials, or tribulations, and the longer you live, the more you experience. Now in verse 3 of chapter 12, he says, In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look through the windows grow dim. That's very poetic. And what he's saying here is the keepers of the house tremble. That means that the arms and hands shake and they become feeble. And what he says, the mighty men bow down or stoop. He's referring to our shoulders, legs, and back slumping and becoming weaker. And our our knees start to buckle, yet our our belt won't. (laughs) And your back goes out more than you do. (laughs) You know, the grinders cease because they are few. This speaks to the scarcity of teeth. You sink your teeth into a stake and they stay there. So, So, and then he says here that those that look through the windows grow dim. And that means vision. The vision suffers, or if you prefer, your arms aren't long enough for for holding the reading material. (laughs) Okay, so he's just being quite frank here about some of the challenges of old age. He says in verse 4, When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low, Again, very poetic, and this refers to loss of hearing. And to make matters worse, he writes about rising at the sound of a bird, and and the daughters of music are brought low. And these two phrases mean that we age, as we age, we we struggle to sleep, and we have a tendency to waking up early as a result. Here in verse 5, he says, Also they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden and desires fail. For man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Now, again, it seems very negative, but trust me, it's going to end very positively here. Okay, so hang in there. But he talks about the fears over hurting one's body or being hurt by others. And this does become a growing concern as your years pass. So these phrases are rather picturesque. The almond tree blossoms. That's referring to the hair turning white. The grasshopper is a burden that speaks of the slowing movement, no longer hopping about as we once did. Desires failing, that refers to all the desires of the appetites of the flesh, food, material possessions, even sex, and so forth. So this final phrase here in verse 5, he says, For man goes to his eternal home, death and graduation, as we put it, to the eternal body, and yet the mourners go about in the streets. So the point being that man dies and life goes on. So we're to live while we're dying. So he says here in verse 6, with all of this in light, he says, remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well. So you notice the fourfold repetition here of loosed, broken, shattered, and broken again. And life in this sinful state is broken beyond repair until God restores it all. So death is final and irreversible. These four entities, when what they represent is the utter destruction of significant things. So the sobering truth in this is that someday your body is going to wear out. You're going to die. It's been said that growing old is not for sissies, and this verse proves it. An English poet, he was a pastor and a poet, John Doan, and he passed away in 1631, and he bought a coffin 
and placed it in his bedroom. And occasionally he would sleep in his coffin. And he said, as a, I did this as a reminder of my mortality and of the life of sin that I've renounced. Now, we don't have to go to that extreme to know that we're going to die, but we should honestly and soberly face the prospect of our death. You see, no matter how strong, powerful, famous, or rebellious, no man can escape the reality of time limitations. Not even Satan, according to Revelation 12, 12. Time is short. And the devil has pulled the greatest deception over the eyes of young people, making them believe that there's more time to get right with God if they ever do. Now, here in verse 7, he says, Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. So Solomon here is picturing death as a reversal of creation. Death is returning to the body, to, the, to dust, to its original form. And that echoes what God said to Adam, For you are dust, and to dust you shall return, in Genesis 3.19. Then the Spirit returning, where? To God who gave it, reminds us that He's the source of our life and will judge it. According to Genesis chapter 2, Hebrews 9, and Jeremiah 32. So old age is filled with its own compounded challenges that are going to become a reality for everyone. So the message here to young people especially, you can't pretend that it's not going to happen. But but age is, is I believe that as we age, it's a work that requires this firm walk with God to endure it. It's something that should drive us as we age day by day that we need to have a proximity to the throne of grace to be able to endure the challenges that this flesh is going to give us. So does that mean that old age can't be glorious? Well, of course not. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ on your way to eternal home, you should be ecstatic. You should spend time drawing near to God, knowing that your life is counted for Him, and we can live and rest uh, th th knowing that our life has meant something with joyful exuberance that this should just flow out of us. I love reading Deuteronomy 34.7. If we go there, it says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. Moses was 120, and he was still going strong until his death. We have to recognize that we're not really old until we abandon our purpose and mission in life. You see, purpose is critical for sustained vigor. You're God's workmanship. You're created in Christ to do good works that he prepared for you before time ever began, according to Ephesians 2.10. So what are we told to do? Walk in them until you graduate from this vessel. So those who live under the S-U-N only have old age and death before them. But those who live under the S-O-N, we're told that even old age has no real bondage over them. How do we know that? Psalm 92, 12 to 15 reads, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. So do you see? The righteous who are of old age, still bear fruit. They will be fresh and flourishing because of their purpose. And what is their purpose? To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. 
So at times when you may feel like your old age is limiting you in your service to God, listen to these words from the Lord, Isaiah 46, 4. He says, even to your old age, I am he. And even to your gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made you and I will bear you. Even I will carry and will deliver you. So the Lord is with our elders. He carries them. So we dare not disrespect them. In Leviticus 19.32, we read, You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God. I am the Lord. So you contend with God if you do not honor the elders. So Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 5.1-3 that we're not to rebuke an older man, but to exhort him as a father. And to an older woman, we are to treat as mothers with all purity. So to our Christian elders that I'm I'm talking to right now, we honor you. You have sacrificed much. You have climbed many hills and won many battles. And with them, you have endured many wounds. Your labors have not been in vain. You matter. And we praise God for you. Your mission is not over. The Lord is with you. And your purpose is to do what? to declare the greatness of the Lord. So remember and rejoice. In Ecclesiastes 12.80 then goes on to say, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Or I prefer to translate this word as habel. And it means fleeting, fleeting, says the preacher. Everything is fleeting. That means that life is temporary. It's transient. It's here one day, it's gone the next. So make it count to the glory of the Lord. That's our mission. That's what we're to do. We're to make a most of every moment that God has given to us. You know, I I spoke about this last time, but I want to encourage you that, you know, as as you are staking out your your claim on this earth, as God has given you a lot, as he's given you a responsibility, perhaps you're feeling like I've I've walked away from the Lord. I've wasted my time with the Lord. I'm now of an old age. Is there any hope for me? Have I, have I a way to return to the Lord? Truly, can I remember him and come back to him? And I say, yes, wholeheartedly. He tells us to remember, to return to him. In fact, this was often spoken of throughout scriptures of a time when people would forget their maker. They would forget their time with the Lord. They would forget that he's the one who has provided all things to them. And so he would call out to them and the people would answer. And then God would restore, yes, even the years the locusts have eaten and tell us that if we call upon his name, we will be saved. There is still hope. Even if you're at last days, we don't know what your last days will be. But if you feel like I'm, I'm drawing closer to my time with the Lord and I don't want to waste it, I would encourage you as you go back to Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 to 12, God had a plan for Jacob's life. He, he was a brother of Esau, the son of Isaac. He had traveled about 70 miles in Genesis 28, 10 to 12, roughly a three days journey. And he stops at a place called Bethel. And this is a place just north of Jerusalem, roughly 12 miles outside of Jerusalem. And Bethel means house of God. It's mentioned over 60 times in scripture. And this is where Jacob encounters God. In fact, in his dream, there's a ladder to heaven with angels ascending and descending on it. And Jacob calls the place the gate of heaven. Now, as you're driving you probably know what I'm talking about here, that sometimes we take a wrong turn. And we do that in life too. 
sometimes we know we're supposed to be going a certain direction. We've taken a wrong turn. And like, maybe unlike Jacob here, Jacob knows how to read a map. I don't always know how to read a map, but Jacob, I know he knew how to read a map. He made a vow to God that he was going to return to that place. And yet some time kept going by. In fact, in Genesis 28, 20 to 22, he makes a vow. God has to remind him of that vow in Genesis 31. And it's not until Genesis 35, 30 years later, that God had to remind him again of this vow that he'd made. 30 years had gone by and Jacob had yet to go back to that place to be with the Lord. He knew where the Lord was. He knew what his vow was before God. But yet he had made this decision to go his own way. In fact, he was living in an ungodly city known as Shechem. It was only 30 miles away. And yet he allowed those 30 miles to separate him from the will of God. And we do that too. In fact, you know, we, we can have whatever the distance is, however years has gone by in your relationship with the Lord, however, however much time you've allowed to go by, we know that it's about a heart condition. You see, Jacob's condition is not all that different from many Christians today. Outwardly, we may appear to be walking close to the Lord, but inwardly, we've stopped short of wholehearted devotion to Him. And since every one of us are going to face times where we've strayed away from this intimate and obedient walk with God, Genesis 35 provides a map of finding your way back. It's not too late. That's why He calls us to remember. And sometimes we've made all the wrong choices. And I love that we have a God who forgives. You know, 70 times 70 tells us to forgive one another. And, and we have a God who's faithful to give. And so, in fact, he tells us in Psalm that, that he's faithful to remove our sin as far east is from the west. In Hebrews, he tells us to remember their lawless deeds no more. This is real. This is true. So whatever your journey has been, well, we know that we have a God who's eager to forgive, a God who restores the years the locusts have eaten. So today you must choose whether you're going to remain in your rut you know, the Trans-Alaska Highway says, choose your rut carefully. You'll be in it for the next 200 miles. So, so God can give you a new lease on life if you want to remember him. You can't turn back the hands of time, but you can begin to live while you're dying. And just like we're told throughout the book of Jeremiah, that if God, as he was speaking to his people to return to him, telling them that if they return, he will heal them. He will restore them. Go back to Jeremiah chapter 3. Chapter 7, chapter 18, 25, 35, you can't miss it. It's all through the book. It's not too late. And that same urgency is conveyed to us in Joel chapter 2, where there's an appeal to repentance that hope looms on the horizon and there is a promise to restore. And I hope you've been encouraged by that today. I, I, wanna, I want you to feel value no matter what, what your years are, no matter how they've been used. Today is the day you can make a decision right now to follow Christ Jesus, to take up your cross and follow him. Uh, even if you're struggling to get out of bed in the morning because the aches and pains are too great, there is still a purpose for your life. There is breath in your lungs. That means God has a plan and a purpose for you. And I want you to live in that abundant life through Jesus Christ our Lord, no longer living under the S-U-N, but living under the S-O-N. And find purpose and fulfillment in so doing. Even if it's your last hour right now, God can use it wholly and fully to his glory to lay up treasures in his kingdom, just like the thief on the cross. We read about him often, and in that moment of declaration, millions of people since have read that story time and time again. A life wasted, but at that final hour, 
that final hour has made such a commitment, has made such a change, such a, a positive influence in lives far and wide throughout the entire world of his declaration of his faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Declare it. Remember and rejoice in Jesus Christ, our Lord. I hope you've been encouraged today on Engage in Truth. I want to encourage you that if you are looking for a place to worship, if maybe it's been some time since you've been in a church and you're looking for a fellowship of believers, people who are going to care about you and know you by name, then come check us out at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley. Again, Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley. You can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. Calvaryfountain.com. Services are 10 a.m. on Sunday. We would love to see you there. God bless you.